Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quick Question Podcast. My name is Gabe Ryan, alongside my lovely co-host, Mr. Matthew Shafty. Uh, hello. I thought you were going to keep going. <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> and on the ones and twos are producer extraordinaire, Zeke Entia. Thank you for joining us today, Zeke. Yeah, what's up, guys? Um, we're back for episode number 20. We've hit... Episode number 20. This marks five months of us doing the show. So congrats to us. Yeah. It's a big deal. Big deal. Yeah, Matt, how was your weekend? How are you feeling? Um, I'm, I'm feeling all right. Just vibing. Man of many words today. Mm-hmm. Zeke, how are you doing today? Um, I'm okay. Uh, working through uh, some technical difficulties, but we're cooking. It's okay. We're yeah. here. We're alive. Yes, we are. We're figuring this out. Yes, we will. Um, thank you guys for joining us. I think that's the third time I said it. Anyways, um, big weekend in sports. Conference championships in the NFL took place over the weekend. College basketball had a loaded slate. I actually traveled down to Lexington, Kentucky to watch the Kansas Jayhawks play the Kentucky Wildcats um, with uh, Michael Daly, who you've seen on other shows. So that was a good time. Um, great basketball game. Big East had a loaded weekend. If you look around the country, some some big games went down. Houston almost lost their second game in about a week to Cincinnati. Cincinnati was leading them late, but eventually Houston came back and took the crown. But I think today we're going to start with the NFL since that is the biggest story in sports today. Um, Matt, what did you make of the NFC Championship game between the Eagles and the 49ers? Um, it was really just a tale of one team staying healthy and one team not. That's uh, you, you lose Brock Purdy. That was really tough. And then Josh Johnson gets hurt. Uh, you can't really come back from that. They, I think they brought in Purdy for for like one play in the second half, and then they realized this just isn't going to work. And I I know they had McCaffrey a quarterback for some of the plays. They ended up bringing. I think Josh Johnson was in the game in the second in the second half at some point, but um, it was just pure and utter utter domination. The the Eagles won the line of scrimmage. They they won really both sides of the trenches. Um, they, they played extremely well. Defense did what it needed to do against Purdy for a time until Purdy was hurt. And then after that, it was Josh Johnson and and crew show whatever, <laughs> and it didn't go so well. Yeah. And then the you know the the Eagles just won. Eagles dominated. Yeah, they they just they just won. There's not like, even even if Purdy, I think even if he stays healthy, I think the Eagles still win that game, mm-hmm. ninety nine times out of a hundred. Just just based on how well they played, how well the defense played, they just controlled both sides of the line of scrimmage, and they just flat out dominated. Really, and that's yeah. that's what they've done so far in the playoffs. And let's see if they can continue that trend of the Super Bowl. It's going to be a lot tougher against the Chiefs, but we'll see. Yeah, I said this last week. Um, any team that goes into Philadelphia in the postseason is going to have a rough time, and the 49ers being as wounded as they were almost didn't have a fighting chance. The only thing that would have kept them in the game is their defense, and to be honest, their defense didn't have as dominant as an effort as they had against the Cowboys a week ago and that they've had many times throughout the season. Um, the, the Eagles just completely dominated up front, especially especially on offense. They rushed for 148 yards, that's, I think, what, what sets the Eagles apart amongst other teams in the NFL is they have a run game that they can heavily rely on and that manufactures yards. 
Mm-hmm. And they have three legitimate run options uh, with Jalen Hurts, Gainwell, and who's the other? Miles guy? Sanders. Miles Sanders. Yeah. That's a three-headed monster just on the running game. And then mm-hmm. obviously Jalen Hurts is a passing threat. They've got good weapons on the outside uh, with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. We mentioned um, that last week a little bit, the run game, where the Giants are a good run defense as well, and they just tore them apart. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I wasn't expecting the same against the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I thought it'd take a, a step back, which it did, but not that significant of a step back. Uh, they <laughs> still, again, just com- completely dominated them. Um, complete control. And it's tough when, when a team loses quarterbacks like that. Yeah. But you know what? The Eagles were the better team. We talked about last week about how one team has a superstar quarterback, a Superman, if you will, and mm-hmm. another one has an average Joe and Brock Purdy. And we talked about, hey, can two teams with an identity, um, two very similar teams, just different at quarterback, and one's at home, mm-hmm. um, with obviously like the Superman quarterback is at home. Um, what what's going to happen? And you know what, the the Eagles showed, hey, you know we're just the better team. Yeah, we're in in a very safe home environment, and. It's tough to play in Philadelphia, as, as you've mentioned in the past, and that's never going to change. Nope. And Brock Purdy also did tear his UCL during the game, so he'll be out for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows if that affects anything in the quarterback situation with the 49ers for next year. So that's three starters that have um, prolonged injuries yep. and recovery times. Um, usually Josh Johnson, four stringer, had to come in during the game. Um but congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles. They've had an incredible season. They are um, fourteen and th- well, they were fourteen and three during the regular season. Won their first two playoff games. The one seed in the NFC. Um, so they've taken care of business. Mm-hmm. They're on their way to Phoenix, Arizona for the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. Um, moving on to game number two. This was definitely a lot more of a game. Yeah. Um, quite quite a game. The Cincinnati Bengals travel to Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri, to play the Chiefs. Um, second game of the conference championship weekend. Bengals fell 23-20 to on a last-second field goal from Harrison Butker. Um, Chiefs are back to the Super Bowl for the third time in the last five years. Um, Patrick Mahomes started in his fifth straight conference championship game, which is pretty insane. Um, they also were showing during the game some of his touchdown stats as they compared to some NFL greats. He is almost at Tom Brady's touchdown record. Yep. And he's had five starts in conference championship games where Brady had 14. Um, so think about the numbers that this guy has put up. It is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but a back-and-forth game, the Chiefs dominated early, Bengals Took a while to get going. Um, they made a few huge plays in the second half, score some touchdowns. T. Higgin had an incredible reception. Um, Joe Mixon, was it Joe Mixon or P. Ryan scored? I think it was P. Ryan that scored. P. Ryan scored after the Bengals went from it, went for it on fourth and sixth through a 38-yard pass yeah. to Jamar Chase, who made a catch in double coverage. Mm-hmm. One of the best catches he's made in the last two years, and that's saying something. Um but the Bengals ultimately fell. They were dominated up front. We talked about last week how the offensive line, the the backups just came in and did their job. It's like nothing ever happened to them. This week they got completely dominated. Yep. Chris Jones and company 
were um, a force to be reckoned with on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, Reader, and B.J. Hill just couldn't get to Mahomes the entire night. Mm-hmm. Mahomes, I don't think, played his best game, but also he's nursing that injury, as we were reminded by Jim Nance 100,000 times. Um, the flu game. The flu game. <laughs> Give me a break. I understand he was hurt, and I know I'm salty because I'm a Bengals fan, but still. It's tough to play in a bum angle, though. No, I I know. I it played is. on a bum angle. It sucks. Yeah. And but to, but to, like, but to compare it to the is, flu game. I, I get that. But what's impressive is still to to put it at that high of a level, yeah. to play at that high it's, of a level. With he made some incredible angle. throws. Like yeah. the second touchdown to MVS. Yep. Um, that was a heck of a throw. Tough heck throw of to a make play. off one angle. Yeah, and he was about to get drilled by two people, he too. He was. Um, he threw it in a very tight window in the middle of the end zone to score the second touchdown, which put the Chiefs up 20-13 to 13 at the time. Bengals ultimately tied it. And then, obviously, like we said, mm-hmm. um, Harrison Butker kicked a 40-something yard field goal at the end of regulation, um, split the uprights, never a doubt. The one thing that's interesting about the end of it is it was so cold at Arrowhead Stadium. I think it, they said the temperatures felt like four degrees. And when the ball or when the temperature gets really cold, the ball hardens up yep. and it doesn't fly as far. And they're talking about both kickers before the game. McPherson and Butker couldn't get the ball to to the uprights from 57, 55, 57. They were struggling getting the ball to the uprights, and this is at 6 o'clock. So you can imagine a, a deeper field goal that late in the night was going to be rough. Yep. Um, I think the wind was going one way. Like, it was blowing north and south. So yep. um, dependent, I don't remember if they were they had the wind behind them or in front of them. But, um, yeah, I'll get more into this game later, more of yep. a therapy session. I wanted session. to mention real quick kind of my thoughts on yeah, the entire game. It. Let's start out. To me, the Bengals were playing like the mentality of, hey, we're behind the entire game, which they were. They It's either tied or behind the entire game. They didn't run the ball barely at all, which I thought, hey, against that defense, you you should run the ball just a little more. Give some touches to, to Joe Mixon. They just didn't do that. He had only eight rushes. Mm-hmm. Samaja had, what, four or five. Um, even Joe, well, Joe Burrow ran the ball when he needed to, and Joe Burrow yeah. was effective. But, um, you know, when... It's it was ineffective the run game was but I feel like if you had opened some touches um, it would have been a little more effective but that also speaks to the inability of your O line how again they couldn't create holes they couldn't protect Burrow no. um, they, I mean this is an O line that has played better they have done better than last year but even with that being said they've I mean they struggled last game they've struggled all season and some t- here and there they'll have a good game but. Again, yeah. against sharp competition, usually it's a tougher game for them. They did play well against the Bills. Give them credit there. And really, both times, even though they only played, what, barely the first quarter against the Bills in that first game, their first drive looked impressive. Yeah. So, um, again, that's, that's a, it's, a tough, it's a tough setting to be in, um, again, especially with that wind, that, that factor, that the, the wind, the cold, the, the night, being in Arrowhead, all those fans being there. I mean, that's... It's tough environment, but it seems like Joe Burrow has always found a way to um, excel, to succeed in those environments, and mm-hmm. he threw two picks in that game. So not yeah. his sharpest day, but you he know, still well, had a chance to win the game. He did, and it honestly felt like the opposite of last year's script, where mm-hmm. the Bengals were keeping 
um, Patrick Mahomes off the field in that fourth quarter, and then you get to overtime and he throws a pick, right? Yeah. This script felt completely flipped where they just kept Burrow off the field at the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I was going to say, the Bengals, part of their strategy the last, the back half of the season, especially when they're on the road, is if they um, win the coin toss, they they want the ball first because they want to go march right down the field and score. Mm-hmm. And they did they did that at Buffalo last week, seventy five yard drive, like eight plays, touchdown, piece of cake. Um, Arrowhead was a different story. They did not score on the first possession, and if you don't score, you're giving the other team the ball to start the second half. And the Bengals are really lucky that the halftime score was what it was. Um, because the Chiefs could have blown that game open just like they could have last year. Because mm-hmm. last year the halftime score was twenty-one to ten, and the Chiefs had a good chance at scoring their fourth touchdown of the first half to go up twenty-eight to ten. They didn't score, so missed opportunities from the Chiefs could have made this game a little bit uglier than it was. Um, but like you said, they didn't establish a run game at all during this, and I think a lot had to do with the offensive line. They tried to run the ball early a couple times, and they got hold, called for holding penalties. Yep. Which last week, Mixon ran for over a hundred. That did not happen at all. I don't. I think they got one penalty the entire game, mm-hmm. and the Bengals just all around just didn't have their sharpest game. Um, Burrow, like you said, threw two interceptions. The second one was just a great play by the Chiefs' defense. He it was. he he threw a very good pass to T. Higgins. It just yeah, it, a great play was made. They tipped it up, did the tip drill made the play two mm-hmm. rookies on the Kansas City defense um yeah Trent McDuffie had one incredible game yeah he did yeah for sure the defense balled out um but the Bengals before the Chiefs got the ball back to kick the field goal Bengals had the ball with 2 minutes to go two timeouts they run the 2 minute just as good as any other team in the National Football League i honestly think especially when they're stalling that helps them cuz gets them in the rhythm and two penalties on that drive cost them um, an intentional grounding call as well as a hold. Um, so yeah. it's just it's the little things that that got to them down the stretch. They just weren't able to get those first downs through, and they gave the chief too much time, which is any time yep. on the clock, and they they made them pay, and they're in the Super Bowl. But congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if we want to mention it uh, now or later, maybe a different date, maybe later on the episode, but I do want to talk about the interesting scenario that is the Bengals offseason. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Perfect. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. I, I want to get through the game Okay. Perfect. emotionally right. before we have to start saying goodbye to people. Yeah, we can we can mention all this offseason stuff, you know, yeah. after the Super Bowl. And maybe. I want to know, like, who's on the – who's moving – because yeah. I know some people, but I don't know everybody. And I mm-hmm. want to be informed since it's my team. But I, mean, I could inform you right now. That's true. Okay, it's fine. But let's wait. Um, well, that does it for football. It does it for the Bengals. It does it for the Bengals. At least um, for now. At least for now. Mm-hmm. Who knows if they'll be back anytime soon. But I think they'll make some headlines in the offseason. I think Joe Burrow is about to get the biggest contract in NFL history. Mm-hmm. I think resources are... Um, slowly making um, making something I don't know. something in between. Bengals are are getting their resources together. They're going to try to throw everything at Burrow, yeah. and hopefully he. Accepts. I got a lot. They got a lot of money for him. Yes, they've saved a lot of money for him. And, and 
We'll see. Going to use a lot. We'll of see if that Bengals quote unquote culture that they've established the last two years. We'll see if it's kind of awa like the New England Patriots, where you can, if you find the right guys, you can kind of plug them in. They don't right. have to be the greatest players yeah. in the game, just enough to do whatever they're assigned to do. We'll see in the next few years if the Bengals can be legitimate contenders year in year out. I feel good with Burrow at quarterback. I think yeah, he's a difference should. maker. Um, you should. I feel this is different than like a, a team like the Bills, where they can, yeah, they can, they bring in very good players in free agency. They have a good roster, but it just seems, but like it's constructed Burrow is completely a step different. Short. Yeah, they're always just a step short. This, this is a different Bengals team. Mm-hmm. I feel like they can get to the promised land. Again, it's just gonna, it's gonna take some, some work in the off season for but, sure. Yeah. Well, moving on, Shafty, do you want to take over? We're gonna talk about the Senior Bowl just a little bit. Um, we don't need to make this segment long at all because. Um, we are going to talk. We're into that. What? Can Can you explain to our listeners what the Senior Bowl is before you start spewing? Okay. Facts. How about please everything? define the Senior Bowl, please? Okay. The Senior Bowl. First, I'm going to say the Senior Bowl is not the the bowl itself. It's kind of like the Pro Bowl, but the bowl itself is not until Saturday. We have practices going on. And I'm going to talk about a couple of players that have stood out to me. Um, and this isn't biased. All right. There will be a Michigan State guy or two. But they've both played extremely well. All right. And guess who has inside knowledge from going to their games and watching every single game snap that he's had? Can I take a guess? Right. Go ahead. Is it you? Yeah, me. <gasps> okay. Anyway, so what we're gonna what we're gonna do is oh geez, what are you doing? <laughs> doing something. Okay. I'm gonna keep going for now. I don't know. What well. is he doing? No, okay. No, go ahead. That was I was cool. trying so, to give myself a We'll make this cool. quick. So the Senior Bowl basically is a bowl game, at, or not a bowl game. It's kind of like a, a Pro Bowl at the end of each college football season, usually early February, late late January, like we are right now. It's usually where it sits. Um, like first week of February is like always where the game is. It's on a Saturday every year. Um, so the best seniors who are going to the draft, obviously, mm-hmm. um, play in the senior bowl the best seniors in college football they get invited some people say no like will levis i think that was a huge miss why he said no i have no idea those uk guys man i don't know if he's worried about injury but it's the senior bowl it's literally the pro bowl you're not going to get hurt all right unless it's a a non-contact injury but that's true you you risk that every single day though like you could be walking fall over and bam head injury like every day you risk (laughs) that there's always non-contact injuries so anyway uh should he be there? Absolutely. Let's move on. This The Senior Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Reese's Senior Bowl, not Reese's. All right. I don't want to hear any of that Reese's crap. Reese's. No, Reese's. Okay. All right. <sighs> Peanut butter cup. Reese's Senior Bowl is in Alabama. Um, you'll see a lot of a lot of SEC players there. It's kind of, kind of funny. But um, it's, it's a fun festivity for me and other people who like to scout out different players every year. The NFL, every NFL team brings down uh, one representative, maybe more. It depends. Last year, it was the Lions and Jags, the two worst teams in football. They got to coach the teams, and I think they do that every single year. Um, But anyway, let's get right into it. We can talk about some of the players that have done extremely well so far. And one guy who I have mentioned plenty of times. I don't know if I've mentioned him on the show, but maybe I have because I did mention BYU. Um, Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua is a wide receiver for BYU. I think he's 6'2 or 6'3. 
Um, not a heavy set guy at all by any means. He's very, very adequately built for the NFL. Got good feet, good, good very good footwork, good route runner. Um, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he can get in and out of his routes pretty quick. Um, he's really turned up in the Senior Bowl. He's looking really good in day one. A lot of guys had had him up there as their kind of surprise player. Uh, could be a guy who's picked day two, um, like maybe high, even like high second round. Some people feel like he could be sitting up there. Um, for me, it's it's more uh, late second round, early to mid third round is where I think he'll get selected. But he's really shown out so far, especially with vertical routes. Um, he also sells vertical routes very well. Um, but I, again, just he's a, he's a really a, just a, a good crisp route runner overall. And he uses his size and physicality to get balls, which is nice. Footballs. Yeah, I, I saw you over there. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, I'm going to talk about first one of my Michigan State guys. Um, his name is Bryce Beringer. He is a punter for Michigan State. So he has a weird story. Back in 2017, he was a walk-on to Illinois. Then midseason, 2018, he left, joined the Michigan State football team. And then in 2019, he wasn't invited back to the football team, so he worked for Michigan State's, I believe it was a social media group, right? And then he joins the team later on in 2020 during the COVID year because Michigan State's in need of a punter. 2021, he averages the most punt yards in all of the Big Ten. And in 2022, he was snubbed from a Ray Guy Award, right? First team All-American, first team All-Big Ten, um, Big Ten Punter of the Year, whatever that award is, but... He was exceptional. I don't know what you guys are doing over there, but... Don't worry about it. Okay, I won't. Mind your he, business. Okay. He's exceptional. He averages between, what, 50, 55, 60 yards a punt, uh, which is just incredible in college football. Um, I, I, again, watching him in person, I think one thing he can improve on because he hits like just missiles down the field, he could improve on a little bit of airtime. But again, um, when you're putting the ball that far, it's always an advantage. It's not like a line drive or anything. He is still getting hang time, but it's not like the best it's of the best like of the NFL. not like 10 seconds of no, hang time. No, like you know where those guys in the NFL are able to place the ball so high in the stadium where it, just, it sits in the air for like four to six seconds, just ridiculous amount of time for players to get down the field. Yeah, like when I punt it. it. Exactly. Um, just anyway, sure. let's move on to another name that I that I really like from Michigan State. Yeah. Jaden Reed. What? Wow. Yeah, I know. Big big shocker right there. Michigan State receiver. Um, he can play in the slot. He can play outside. Apparently, this is this is a source that I found on Twitter. A scout has mentioned that Jaden Reed has won every single one-on-one route he's seen in day one. He's like Michael is, Jordan. Well, I mean, I'm not saying this is the NBA. This is the <laughs> Senior Bowl. But... It's it, it's pretty impressive, right? Okay. For a guy who last year, had he left, he would have been selected second round, third round in the draft, probably ahead of names. Maybe maybe around George Pickens, like he was mm-hmm. he was considered. Hey, he's going to be in the top sixty kind of kind of guy. Right now, um, he had a down year. Michigan State had no O line. Peyton Thorne had to step back because of that, and so did the rest of the offense. So. Um, it was hard to rely on a guy like Jaden Reed when you just can't get the ball out to him, or when you do, it's a just a wild, out-of-control throw. But he has some tape from his junior year and his senior year where he just looks extremely impressive. 
Um, just, again, all-around good player, great route tree for a college football player, great burst. He also, according to, I think it was like a, a speed radar at the Senior Bowl, he has the fastest top speed, which is what some people were worried about going into um, the combine, into all this NFL process. I mean, top speed of 20 miles an hour is pretty damn good. As Oh, yeah, what was that? Just I mean... I mean what? That's that's pretty that's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. I mean what's what's Burrow? Burrow is clocked at like twenty two in the off season, so get your get your crap together, Jane Reed. It's just not true. What's court no, he, he legitimately twenty two. It was twenty one or twenty two, but it 22, was higher than twenty. Twenty two is Tariq Woolen fast. And Tariq Woolen I he got twenty one. I'm pretty sure. Tariq Woolen ran Hold sub on. four three Let me at the look combine. This up. No, yes, go look it up. Sub Sprint. Okay. That's speed. Uh, hit 20.8 miles per hour, which is faster than Jaden Reed. That is very impressive. That means he's got to get faster. Was he? Was there like a speed uh, monitor to confirm that or anything? No, this no. is just okay. made up. Okay, that's that's very impressive from Drew, from from Mr. Burrow. Yeah, right? this is after he got his appendectomy too. So okay, so very impressive. So but he still. might be running like 25 miles an hour. Okay, he's. Like, <laughs> Still, like very a fast. Yeah. All right. Think of a name. Finish. Another name that I like is Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati. <laughs> I wanted to keep going to Jaden Reed, but now you've just Trey, Trey Tucker from Cincinnati. Big, big Xavier guy over here. So he's really in love with the University of Cincinnati as well. For, I'm kidding. Anyway, Trey Tucker is another speedster um, out of college. He's going to run, I think he'll probably run sub. 435, 434 in the combine. He's, I think he's only around 5'10, 5'9, but um, he's very that's, fast. That's Again, Jaden Reed ran faster than he did, which is just very impressive. Um, Ronnie Bell from Michigan had a good day. Isaiah Foskey had a good day. Um, some of the old linemen had a good game, had a good game, had a good day. Um, I can't, there was a guy from Ohio State. Um, what's his name? Jones. I can't remember his first name right now, but he had a, he had a, Another very good day. 6'8", 300-something pounds. Big boy. Um, Osiris Torrance looks slimmer, which, I mean, if you believe a 300-pound guy looks slimmer, okay. Um, that's He's moving around for an offensive guard. That's very impressive. Yeah. It is. So that's a little taste. Uh, we still have a lot to go. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't even, like, touched on the quarterbacks yet, but we can get to that later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited. For, to just continue watching the Senior Bowl. Um, cool. I've I've been keeping up on Twitter. I haven't seen the live broadcast yet because ESPN only broadcasts Wednesday and Thursday, but NFL Network will have something out later tonight. So I'm going to take a look at that, see what other guys have caught my eye. Um, I want to see the defensive side of the ball. I, I saw uh, Carl Brooks from another kid from the MAC. Where is he from? Bowling Green, right here in Kentucky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bowling Green. Bowling Green. Good player. He made some very, very impressive one-on-one plays, and then they had 11-on-11s, but it wasn't like tackle or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, looked solid. Defensive tackle. Just keep keep your eye on him. If okay. you're going to keep your eye on him or not, I don't know. But I am. Probably not. But Okay. And Jaden I will. Of course. A lot of pros. Only cons are that he's six foot, and people worried about his top-end speed. Which is a concern. Um, How is it? Okay, but still, like, fastest time. Just saying. Just I saying. Burrow beats him. 
Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. You've heard enough. Yeah, I've well, heard enough about Burrow. This is a great segue because I'm yeah. going to talk about the Bengals. Okay. Their new edition of How Deep Is Your Love. Um, How Deep Is How Deep Is Your Love is a segment where Matt and I get to talk about our favorite teams. Matt is a Detroit sports fan, mm-hmm. also a Michigan State fan. I am a Xavier basketball fan as well as a Cincinnati area sports fan. Um, I'm going to start actually with Xavier because I want to get this out of the way a little bit. Um, Xavier last week had a tough task on hand. They had to go to UConn last Wednesday and play in stores to one of the best teams in the country. Um, they were able to take care of business against UConn, almost gave the game away at the end, but they won 80-77, to which is a signature road win for the Musketeers this year. Since they played UConn the first time, they have lost, UConn has lost five out of their last six games, so they've been on a little bit of a skid trying to re-identify themselves, but they had not lost a game until the Big East season started. So Xavier gave them their first loss as well as their sixth of the year. Um, yes. And Xavier then traveled on Saturday, played an 11 o'clock tip against the Creighton Blue Jays and a very hard road environment. Um, in Omaha, Nebraska, they got clobbered 84 to 67. But honestly speaking, it wasn't that concerning for me for the sake that Xavier's going to go through some lumps this year, especially with the road part of their schedule, because some of these environments in the Big East are very tough to play, especially if you're going back to back um, in a different time zone. Like there's a bunch of different things that you could talk about there. But they did not play great. Creighton played a very good offensive game. Ryan Kalkbrenner, their center, who's 7-2, was a difference maker in their game. Creighton just lost to Xavier in their first matchup, 90-87. to So really not surprising to see that dominant of a performance at home. Um, Xavier also got out-rebounded pretty bad. Um, Sean Miller was not too happy with that. He burned two timeouts in a minute and a half apart. Um but some big news coming out of um, Xavier's team. Center, senior center Zach Fremantle is going to miss the next month of games. He re-injured his left foot, which he had surgery on before the start of the season last year. He missed some time at the beginning, didn't come by or didn't come back until almost the crosstown shootout last year. So that's not good um, for Xavier. So the likes of Jerome Hunter, Cesar Edwards, even guys like Kiki Tandy and Cam Kraft are going to have to come off the bench and provide very valuable minutes. And for Xavier, this is not an opportune time to be losing one of your best players, especially one that's averaging almost 20 points a game and 10 rebounds. Um, Xavier has a very tough task. This Wednesday at 6.30, they play the Providence Friars, who's Checks in this week at number 17 in the country. Xavier sits at 16. Um, Bill Rafferty and Jason Benetti are back in the house to broadcast that on FS1 if any of you guys are interested in tuning in. Um, So big game for Xavier. Very important for them to protect home court. Even if they're down one man, they need that game desperately. They play St. John's at home on Saturday at 5 p.m., and then they go on the road for consecutive games against Butler and Marquette next week. Um, but as long as Xavier can take care of business um, tomorrow, Wednesday, February 1st, February 1st, I think that's right. Um, they're going to be in good shape. They are tied amongst the conference lead 
in wins. They are sitting at nine and two. They are tied with both Marquette and Providence. So this is to retain the one, um, the number one standing in the conference, which is huge for them. Um, but moving on to the Bengals, um, I tried to keep my emotions in when we were and just um, factually go over the game what happened. Um, the Bengals had a rough go as far as officiating went. And I know this might sound really petty because I'm a Bengals fan, a lifelong Bengals fan. The easiest thing to do in the world in any sport is to blame the referees. But when hashtag NFL is rigged had 28,000 something tweets Mm -hmm. one hour after the game trending across America, I don't think I was alone in my sentiments that the NFL made some very questionable calls and decisions against the Bengals. There were some calls both ways that I think were a little iffy. Um, But starting in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs are driving, right? It is third and nine. The Bengals get a stop, a, a very important stop, to get the Chiefs off the field, get the ball back. They do. They have an incredible defensive play. They get the ball back. They stop the Chiefs. Mahomes throws an errant pass. Everything's all good. Bengals are going to get the ball back. They're going to go and punt. And then, lo and behold, the Chiefs are granted another down because apparently one of the refs was trying to signal that the clock was off but didn't use his whistle, just ran like five yards and waved his arms. And if he didn't blow the whistle, it's kind of hard to reverse that. The officials got together, gave the Chiefs another down. The Bengals made a better defensive play. They got to Mahomes and sacked him, and then they called a passing or a holding on Eli Apple, which was a legitimate holding after the replay. Um, so the the Chiefs technically got like fifth down, and they get a fresh set of downs. Luckily, the Bengals were able to make enough plays to get them off the field eventually. But that's two or three minutes on the clock that evapor- evaporated, yep. and time is everything, especially in the conference championship game. And because the call isn't something that you see like ever, it's kind of ballsy on the officials' part for them to call it during the conference championship game, especially when there was some uncertainty as to what actually happened. And I think if you Google the officials talking to Zach Taylor on the sideline, I think his facial expression and his reaction to the calls does everything justice more than any of the words that I'm saying. Um, But late in the game, Bengals have the ball with two minutes left, right? Burrow is in trouble, spikes the ball, trying to just ground the ball so they they get another play. An intentional grounding was called. And Matt, you explained this to me because he was still in the pocket, right? It's it's a very questionable call. I, I... I, I'm trying to play devil, devil's advocate in a way. I said yeah. he's still he's still in the tackle box. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't get the ball past the line of scrimmage, and even then, I know people were saying like um, there was a there was there a pass was, Mahomes made. There was Samaj Piran. Piran was there, but Piran had just barely turned his head, barely turned his body, and the ball was out and landed in front of the O line or like behind the O line. So there was just no way he was going to get to that ball. Yeah. So that's why they threw that flag. My issue was with the explanation Mm -hmm. because they said there was no 
legitimate or there, there was no receiver in the area. And even if P. Ryan wasn't turned around, mm-hmm. he was obviously running some sort of yeah. check down route. Yeah. So that is BS. What I don't get though, to that me, is complete this is, BS. On, honestly, it's on the mistake of Burrow there. Yeah. Where you can probably get it a couple more yards, at least past the line of scrimmage, and it's not going to be okay. intentional grounding. Okay. But but again, still, that's a pivotal play when time downs or everything, mm-hmm. and they're still on the Chiefs' side of, or they're on their own side of the field, so they still have to get over midfield, try to get some, or try to get a field goal out mm-hmm. of it. Um, so that's a big. Big play. Next play, Burrow gets rid of the ball. I think they got a first down, but Chris Jones came in and with a late hit, yep. knocked Burrow on his back, flipped him over, and nothing was called. Yeah. And in the day and age in the NFL where I could breathe on Shafty right now, and it'd be a flag if yeah. he was playing quarterback, I could breathe on him. I could I would not touch him, just like be there in his presence, and it's a flag, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. But in the conference championship game, you got to make that call. Yep. And I don't think it necessarily affected the preceding plays because they they had some first downs out of it. But that's still additional mm-hmm. yards. You don't have to use timeouts. Um, those are huge plays. And then the obviously the one that everyone's going to talk about is the play that got the Chiefs into field goal range. I think they made the right call. So do I. I think they made the right call because again, I I want to sit here and play devil's advocate again, where that people I I, I think Mahomes sold it, he did oh for sure like he definitely sold it but that's just smart by him. Aside didn't like just oh I'm gonna go out of bounds and just shove you. That's like he didn't mean that. It's so tough to stop your momentum. I mean you you can't you literally can't if you're that big mm-hmm. and you're running at a quarterback. There's no way you're gonna stop your momentum no. like. Two steps out of bounds. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was already on him and then extended the arm. I, I don't. Again, I want to play devil, devil's advocate and say, when in doubt, I, don't throw the flag. But you, could, I think you, they made the right call there. I think they made the right call. And even even if he didn't mean to touch him, even if he didn't push him that hard, and Mahomes flopped, whatever argument you want to make, if you're Joseph Asai, you just can't risk anything. Exactly. And he's he's a young player, so it's unfortunately rookie. that's just a mistake he'll learn from. Um, Asai was in the Senior Bowl. Asai was in the Senior Bowl. Um, man. Okay. Um, but with that, Asai, I thought the coolest part after the game is he's obviously torn up about it. He's very emotional about the, the, the play that just happened because – it ultimately cost the Bengals their season, but that was not the only mistake in the game mm-hmm. that got them to that point. Yeah, it's just the most and Jermaine obvious. Pratt let him know. Did you? Jermaine did you Pratt see that let in him. The locker room? He he did apologize for it. I. You know what? And here's the thing: in the heat of the moment, you are so emotional. Yeah. I don't. I don't blame Jermaine Pratt for doing that at all. A lot no. of people are saying, "Oh, bad teammate, whatever." Well, they made. They and, were gonna make up for it. I think yeah. everyone that that has played competitive sports knows. Hey. There are those moments, and you're going to make up for it five minutes later, right? Yeah. Once you cool down. It's going to yeah. take time, but you're going to make up for it. Yeah. And I thought, I thought the coolest part, though, was after the game, um, Asai still answered every reporter's question, mm-hmm. and B.J. Hill, fellow defensive tackle, was standing right, right by him um, as he was fielding these questions to protect him. If there was anything that was out of line, B.J. Hill 
I don't know what he would have done. It, it was, yeah, just, his, just hand up, his security like. blanket, um, which was awesome to see. What a great teammate. I think that clip, more than anything, even, more than him pushing someone out of bounds, went viral more than anything that happened in the game, which was really cool to see. Um, but also, another thing I want to point out on that play is there was a couple pictures I saw on Twitter of, I want to say it was... It might have been Jermaine Pratt or Darius Gaither was rushing on the right side of the line. So left tackle yep. matchup obviously got held like it wasn't even close. Like okay. he grabbed two hands around his neck <laughs> on the last play. So the penalty should have offset. Yep. And Butker would have had like a fifty-seven yard attempt. They wouldn't have. They, no, they wouldn't even try it. They wouldn't. They wouldn't it, have tried it. They yeah, would have. They so would have gone for him. They're going overtime. It would have played. Out, I don't know how it would have played out in overtime. Hoping it <laughs> would have played regulation. out like last year. Yeah. Same. Um, but th- the Bengals would have had another life, mm-hmm. and that's that's huge. That's yeah. That's all you can ask for in these in these kinds. Of and games. I know people say, well, there's a holding on every play. That is true. Not every play. Not every play, but. You know what a I mean. Lot of, yeah, there you, are a lot of missed calls. Yes. We get it. But in the most important moments, I think that the officials mm-hmm. dropped the ball. You, yeah, you got to have your best career out there. Like you saw for the World Series, yeah. that, that one umpire who was doing everything in his power to call a perfect game, which he did. Yeah. He called a literally perfect balls and strikes game, mm-hmm. which like in the World Series, that's that's insane. You have to have your best crew in the field. And honestly, if that's your best crew, there's something wrong. Because this is two years in a row now where people can make the argument that the Bengals were screwed up by the same head official. And I don't know if he had the same crew or whatever, but yeah. you could, I don't. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> honest. It's embarrassing, really. It's and honestly embarrassing. This is not on the list of things that the NFL and the Bengals have not gotten along with this year, especially in the last few weeks. Um this is not a surprise necessarily. And I hate making, I hate having to talk about how bad the officials were during the game. I'd much rather just say the Chiefs won straight up. They won, Bengals lost, whatever. But because the officiating was so bad and so blatant in certain situations, you can't help but talk about it. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. And in, in a game like this, it's so tough to talk about. But honestly, I, I, it's so tough to win. In that environment, with those circumstances, with the weather, yeah, and and everything going on, like yeah. again, I also wanted to quickly, I wanted to finish off my point about the Jermaine Pratt thing. I do like that he is holding his teammate accountable. Mm-hmm. Not that Pratt didn't make any mistakes, because I, I I saw some people saying, "Well, you're just avoiding the obvious. You're avoiding the mistakes that you made in the game. Like you couldn't tackle Isaiah Pacheco when he picked off what a, a 20, 25 yard run, yeah. like." Okay. It's also four degrees. It's people are holding themselves accountable and they're holding their teammates accountable. Yeah. You you obviously can't go, it's your fault, your fault, your fault. That's not like that's not what he was trying to do. You can obviously look at that and 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 say that, but if you look at that and say that, you probably have never touched competitive sports in your life. So yeah. like again, I I feel I feel horrible for the Bengals. I really do. Um yeah. And I've had yep. this clip running for about ten minutes now, and I honestly, I, it, I've been watching it. I know you've been you keep looking down, and I didn't realize that I had it running. But um, I don't really want to do anything anyway. about it. It's it's okay. Jaden Reed. Well, it's <laughs> it's a very pretty uh, hezzy, and and then a, a jab step, and once a cornerback turns his hips, he doesn't make the play though. 
No, because it, they, I don't think they threw a ball in that play. I think it was just a one-on-one down the field. Well, bam. Ooh. The little jab step is so nice. Well, do you have a rankum question for us to close out the show? Well, yeah, I do. Let's let's pull that up. <laughs> Sorry about that. So we're going to talk about um, the All-Star game and some snubs in the starting lineup, maybe snubs in the, the All-Star game itself later on. We haven't gotten the entire a group of, of people who are in the All-Star game. We have our Rising Stars group, but we don't have the All-Stars. We, um, we do know the starters, though. And I wanted to ask a random question today about the snubs of the All-Star game. And I wanted to ask you, who out of these three guys yes. do you think should, in order, should have been starting, at least, at least in a little more of consideration for starting, in the All-Star game. Um, DeMontis Sabonis? This year? This year. If you, Actually, let's mix it up a little bit. I, I don't know if you... I, I, don't think, I don't think you've seen enough NBA to actually answer that question. Sabonis plays for the Kings, you know, yes, right? Yes, I know that. I, I mean, you know that. that right. <laughs> um, we could... Actually, we could go on with that. Okay. Do you know... Do you know, you know Larry Markkinen, right? Yeah. You know how well he's played. Uh, obviously Sean Miller product from yeah. Arizona. Mm-hmm. Of course I know him. <laughs> so, I wanted to ask, who do you think is the bigger snub Sabonis, Markkinen, uh, or Joel Embiid? Look up their stats. <laughs> Joel Embiid was. Hmm. Joel Embiid has put up MVP numbers, and he's not starting. I just I wanted to point that out. He he's had an incredible season. He's led the the Philadelphia 76ers to near the top of the standings when they started horrible, and he's not starting. You could make the argument that he should be starting over Giannis, like. I, I'm not going to make that argument because they're they're so similar in in stats and the way they've played this year. But okay, yeah, uh, I'm going to so go with Joel Embiid because yeah. I looked up Laurie Markkinen's stats and he's averaging almost 25 points a game, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, that's well, that's and, pretty good. I know in the Western Conference this year, though, I mean, Markkinen has balled. Yeah, for the Utah Jazz, and he's done a lot more than just score. Which usually, if you look at his, his Arizona tape, if you look at his time with the Bulls and Cavs. That's what he was for. He was for scoring as a four, yeah. but he's done a lot more than that this year. Yeah. Um, Joel Embiid, listen to the stat line. He's averaging 33.6 points a game, um, 10 rebounds, mm-hmm. 4.2 assists a game, and he's shooting f- over 50% from the floor. But he's leading the NBA in scoring Yep. and isn't starting. I Yeah. That's dumb. That is dumb. That, that is that, dumb. That's my number one. I'm guessing that's... I'm guessing that's your number one. I keep hitting the mic. <laughs> it's like a punching bag. Yeah. Bop, 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 bop. And then obviously there's DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Sabonis, up, you know, if you, if you look at the other, th- if you look at the other two, Sabonis does not put up the same points, but he does grab 12 rebounds, which leads 12 rebounds a game, which leads the NBA 12.4, right? Mm-hmm. 7.3 assists. All right. He's posting a 66 point. Seven true shooting percentage, mm-hmm. right? And that's eight point eight higher than than the league average. Dang. I to me, the way I see it, mm-hmm. is because he's been such a crucial factor to the way they've been succeeding, and the Kings, um, and how he's changed his game to not again. Sabonis is usually not the biggest playmaker in the floor, but he's averaging seven assists a game. He's almost putting up triple. Triple double numbers every single night. I think he's second, right? Okay. Joel Sabonis, marketing. No disrespect to marketing yeah. at all. 
putting up a lot of rebounds right now. He's doing better as a playmaker, even though he only averages about, what, a, almost a block a game. Yeah. He's still second on the team in blocks. So uh, kudos to Markkanen, but I would say he's third okay. in that group. I agree with that. Okay. Joel Embiid's obviously my number one. Yeah. Because that, that doesn't make any sense. I know. And I don't even follow I the NBA. I get but that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There was a poll that I saw on Twitter that said Giannis – or or Joel and they didn't they, they said player A and player B and they put out the stat lines and what they've done this season and player B won by like 82% <laughs> to start and yeah. then they revealed later on that player B was jo- Joel Embiid and mm. player A was Giannis that's crazy i'm not saying Giannis shouldn't be starting i think there there could be other replacements there here and there yeah um but yeah all right i don't i don't think and this is a hot take i think i don't think Zion should be starting mm. i think he's been out Mm-hmm. Significant amount of time. Okay. So maybe not a hot take. No. Shouldn't be. Well, for some people, get your is. stuff together, Zion. If you just if you just look at his dunks. And... Anyways, <laughs> um, well, that's gonna do it for us today. Um, thank you guys for joining us for episode number twenty of the Quick Question Podcast. My name is Gabe Ryan. I'm Matt Shafty. <laughs> and producer Zeke Entia on the ones and twos. Thank you guys for joining us today, and we will see you next week. <laughs>